I did not educate my husband at all, and uh, I regret it. (laughs) She talks about getting sexually aroused during labor. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bad Yogi Podcast with me, Erin Motz. Today's guest is Liesl Teen. She is a labor and delivery nurse and at mommy.labornurse on Instagram. I actually started following her a couple months ago because several people recommended her to me and was like, oh, I wish that I had found this account, you know, when I was pregnant and all this stuff. So I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And I started following her because she did these super fun and really useful facts about birth and pregnancy. Not from a scary perspective, not from a shock value, not from a negative standpoint, but just, oh, that's really interesting, you know? So anyway, I loved her stuff on Instagram and then later learned that she had this course called Birth It Up, which preps you for a natural delivery in a hospital. That like checked all my boxes off right up my alley. So I got the course, which was insanely affordable. By the way, seriously, I mean, loved it. And once I finished the course, I knew that I really wanted to have her on the podcast. And side note to that, um, she had no idea like who I was or anything. I bought the course myself. (laughs) I spent my money on it, went through the whole thing and didn't reach out to her until I was done because I just, you know, you know, I wanted it to be a legit, you know, review and experience. But yeah, it was great. So uh, I reached out to her to introduce myself and invite her on the podcast. And that was that. So all opinions about her course and everything are just truly my own. But more on that later. And I also have a coupon code for you, which is coming at the end of the episode. But (laughs) before we get to that, a little bit more about Liesl. She's a labor and delivery nurse from North Carolina, and her page is dedicated to educating moms-to-be about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, and motherhood. She uses her knowledge as a labor and delivery nurse and as a fellow mom herself to spread awareness and help mothers understand what's to come. So whether you're currently pregnant, want to get pregnant soon, or someday in the distant future, are the partner to someone who qualifies as either of those things, or you're just endlessly fascinated by the magic of our bodies and want to learn more, this episode is for you. Now, that's seriously enough out of me. Let's turn it over to Liesl. Liesl Teen, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am doing really well. Thank you. So I'm going to start off with an easy softball question. How do you typically start your day? Yeah. So, well, are we talking about if I were working on the floor, like as a labor and delivery nurse, I guess, or like a, cause I have a many different days, I guess <laughs> I have yeah. days when I'm going, you know, to work at, um, at my job, you know, at the hospital. And then I have days where I'm just mom. And then I have days where I'm like blogging. So yeah, I guess, <laughs> which day are we talking yeah. about? <laughs> You know, I think we all actually have different types of days. And so I love that. Let's do a mom day and a work day. Yeah, yeah. So I typically get up, I try to get up a little bit before my son. He's actually a pretty late sleeper. He sleeps till most days. He sleeps till at least 8 or 8.30. So I try to get up. I know, it's great. (laughs) I try to get up a little bit before him and get a shower. um, And I try not to do too much you know, work-related stuff in the morning. I try to just 
zone out and drink a little bit of coffee and take a shower and get ready for the day. Because for some reason, if I take my shower later in the day, like my whole day feels screwed up. I don't know. So I try to get a shower like before he even gets up. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then he and then he wakes up at eight or eight thirty. We get some breakfast and he goes to preschool at let me think nine thirty. I have to drop him off. So he goes to preschool for a few hours and then I come back and I work on my blog stuff um, the time that he's in preschool and then I go pick him up and he still takes a nap, thank goodness. Um, so I do some more, you know, blog related Instagram kind of stuff when he's um, when he's napping, and then we do dinner. And I've tried to not do anything either after he goes to bed. That's that's kind of been my my time because <laughs> I was doing I was like putting in work after he goes to bed too, and I was just getting like super burnout. So now after he goes to bed, I try not to do stuff. So yeah, lots of working during the day though. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I love that you actually do both because I think this is one of those, this is like a total sidetrack, but I always love talking to women who work and they have kids and maybe they're doing something else. Like in your case, you have this Instagram and this that's been growing actually like crazy since I started following you even. And so I love to see like, oh, you can kind of do multiple different things. I think that's intimidating for a lot of people feeling like, oh, I have this idea that I want to do and feeling like, yeah, "Mm, I don't have time or I can't. And you sort of fit it in. It is. And it's very intimidating in the beginning and very, I feel like it's, I've been at it now. I started my blog and kind of my Instagram and stuff in February of 2018. So it's been a little over a year now. And it was probably that first year until I got my first course out, like I was putting in a lot more hours and not getting sleep. But now it's, it's a lot more manageable. And I'm using my time, like more effectively too, because I'm realizing some tasks that I was doing before that weren't as important and weren't like, I, I'm not sure of the right word, but it, you know, you just kind of figure out what needs to be done and what need, what what is too time consuming and doesn't need to be done. But yeah, it's it, and it's a huge learning curve too, just doing all of this stuff. Because if you, th- I mean, I went to nursing school. I didn't go to business school or mm-hmm. you know blogging school or <laughs> marketing. You know, I don't have a degree in marketing. I have a nursing degree, so I had to kind of learn all of this stuff as I'm trying to create it. So it can be you know, very intimidating for people in the beginning. And they just don't, I guess, realize that, that it's really, it's a huge career change if, if you're really trying to like kind of do something like this. And you, you kind of have to, you know, think about if someone in business was trying to like throw themselves into nursing, they would be like so overwhelmed and like, I don't, you know, saying, I don't know what I'm doing. So it's, yeah, it, it was very, very hard in the beginning. The learning curve takes a long time. But mm-hmm. but yeah, thankfully now it's better and I use my time, you know, more wisely. But yeah, it th- you know, there's still some days that are hard, but for the most part, it's good. Of course. And I think just like with anything, whatever you prioritize and feel like you need to make happen is what will happen. So yeah. for you, even something small, like you're going to shower in the morning. Otherwise, it's just going to feel like your whole day is off. And yeah. it's a small thing. But it's like if you really make sure that your priorities are straight, I think we can do a lot more than we think we can sometimes. So for sure. Super for cool. Sure. Yeah. Now you are like that's you know, this is your, your secondary thing, but your primary 
thing that you do, you're a labor and delivery nurse. And how did you know that this was like the path you were supposed to be on? Yeah. So you're talking about just being a labor and delivery nurse or my path like to my blog, I guess. Um, Nursing, nursing, <laughs> I think. Because that's what you yeah. do full time, right? Yeah. No, I'm actually not full time anymore, which is great. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I'm part time, very part time, which is good because my blog, my well, it, they've kind of switched now that my blog is more my full-time gig and my nursing job is kind of more my part-time, my side business. Whereas my blog, you know, originally was my, was my full-term thing, but yeah, no, I, I have always kind of been interested in nursing. I've always been more of like a nurturing kind of like to take care of people when they're sick kind of person. And my roommate in college was actually uh, going into nursing. And so I, I remember just talking to her a whole lot about it and just getting really interested in it. And I loved, I loved that show. I think it's called a baby story. It was on TLC, like way back when in 2002, I think, or something. (laughs) And I I loved that show when I was a kid. Um, so I always knew I wanted to do something with like pregnancy or babies or something. So when I got interested in nursing, I did my clinical rotation through labor and delivery, and I saw my first vaginal birth through there. I saw a C-section as well, but I saw my first vaginal birth, and I will never forget that. Like, it was the craziest, you know, most amazing thing I had ever seen, like, at that point in my life. You know, I wasn't married, or I hadn't had kids or anything at that point. So I got so, you know, just... I just knew, you know, that's that's kind of where my place was in, in labor and delivery. And it's funny because a lot of nurses, I think, think that they want to do labor and delivery because it sounds really amazing. You know, you're not, you're taking yeah. care of young, you know, women all day. And it's, you know, there's babies and you think that you're just holding babies all day or whatnot. But it's very, a lot of nurses find actually that um, once they, if they, if they get into labor and delivery, you know, it's a lot harder work than, than people think. But yeah, I got I got so interested in it. And I knew it was my it was my thing. I worked in the emergency department for a year right out of nursing school. And the department, the floor that I work on right now, my labor and jewelry floor, I had the manager's email. And throughout that whole first first year, I emailed her a few times just you know, just saying, hey, you know, I really want to come work for you. Like, don't forget about me. <laughs> um, and finally, because at, at, on labor and delivery, you usually have to have a little bit of experience because it's a specialty. So you have to have at least a year of experience. So my year, there was a opening and she said, okay, you know, apply and I'll bring you in for an interview. And yeah, so be it. I, you know, I got that job. And yeah, it's just, I mean, I still, there are still days that I come home and it's just, you know, you get chills it's just so like mind boggling to think that you're, you know, normal, normal women, like, you know, you only go through a handful of births, right? Your own usually. And me, I'm like seeing these crazy, cool, amazing births, like at every shift. So it's very cool. It's very, you know, very, very cool. I'm, I'm just in love with it. That's awesome. And it is, it's true. I mean, I never, I wasn't sure if I wanted kids. Um, I did when I was younger and then I kind of went, you know, I don't know when I got into my 20s and definitely once I turned 30, I was like, wow, do I do I want this? Yeah. <laughs> and then I got pregnant and <laughs> now I'm 28 weeks and, you know, I'm excited, but it's this crazy conflicting 
thing because that, when it's your own, you feel like, wow, this is crazy, magical, like insane. Yet yeah. At the same time, it's so normal and happens all the time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So- no, no, that's exactly, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. And one of the topics that I really wanted to dive into with you is fear. And this was yeah. something that came up a lot within our community when I asked them about it. And I think just about every woman in the Western world enters pregnancy with some degree of fear over what birth is going to be like, because For sure. there's, there's yeah. so many variables, possibilities, and it's overwhelming to think about. So I know this is a big question already, but as a blanket statement, what do you wish women would kind of know about birth who are really afraid of it? Yeah. So I, it's funny because fear is something that I talk about in my course too. That's very important to uh, grasp onto because there, you're right. There are, that's such a, a popular or, I mean, anytime that you do something that you've never done before, you know, you, you, there's usually some fear involved and, you know, just like birth, you know, I mean, it, it, fear really, what I talk about in my course is that it's okay to have some fear and it's okay to have a little bit of anxiety, but because you've not done this before, but what you have to really get rid of is that dread, you know, because a lot of people that I see come into labor, they haven't done any, you know, education or anything going leading up to it. It's their first time. And they just come to the hospital, like terrified of what's going to happen because they don't know what's going to happen. And so I really stress in my course, and that's what my whole course is about, is that, you know, to get rid of this year, one of the things that you can do is you can, you know, educate yourself about what's to come. Usually when you learn more about a subject, it takes away some of the fear. And then the second thing that I stress is to really, you know, after you educate yourself, to really sit down and ask yourself exactly what you're afraid of about childbirth, because there are certain things about childbirth that some women are afraid of. And then there are other things about childbirth that other women are afraid of. Some women are afraid about the location and going into a hospital and being afraid of hospitals. And, you know, then you have to ask yourself, well, is it is it worth it for me to, to look into home birth or in a birth center? Or is it just, you know, the hospital? Do I need to take a tour and look around? Is that really the fear that you have? Or is it the pain? You, you know, you feel like you can't do it. There's so many fears. And a lot of times women say they're scared and it's just, oh, I'm just scared. You know, they're not really, they're not really sitting, sitting with themselves and saying, hmm, let me think about what I'm actually afraid of and see if I can come up with a solution and then hopefully get, get to that solution. So yeah, fear, fear is very, very important to try and get rid of if you can leading up to childbirth, because it's going to make it such a such a more positive experience if you can. Exactly. And I, I agree. I mean, I think it's normal to be afraid of this thing that if you, especially if you haven't experienced it before, but I also think that the degree of fear and dread, like you said, that we have around birth is so much due in part to how it's portrayed in the media. Like what do you think TV and movies get right and wrong about the whole birth experience? Oh my gosh, so much. I mean, I was just watching Friends the other day when Phoebe gave birth to her triplets. And I mean, it was, you know, she's like, it just doesn't look real at all. And I mean, it's, it was, you know, she didn't have a traumatic birth or anything, but it just, you know, you think it's going to be this one way. I think the media, honestly, or TV kind of downplays it a lot because you see these births and it's like, oh, 
well, water just broke and then you have a baby, you know, five seconds later. Like it's yeah, not yeah. this long, exhausting process that it usually is. So yeah, it's just, they got a lot wrong. <laughs> and you would think that they wouldn't because a lot of these shows are created by mothers and women who have been through it. So you would think somebody would be like, um, let's not make it look like that. Yes. You yes. know. Totally, totally. <laughs> and I think it's like, okay, so we anticipate it being an intense experience, sure. But I don't think it does anyone any favors to invoke such a level of dread over something that like you have to experience one way or another if you're pregnant. So it's like, why do we have to make this seem like this horrific experience? And so, you know, on that, on the other end of the spectrum, have you ever seen anything in a TV show or movie that's like, oh, okay, that's actually slightly more realistic? (laughs) I have yet, I think. (laughs) I was watching, what was I watching? the other day. Oh, call the midwife. That's oh, a pretty yeah. good realistic. I don't know if you watched that show and I, I haven't watched it all the way through, but that's a pretty, they do a good job of depicting birth and depicting labor and pregnancy and complications. That's a really good one. I can't remember. Oh, downtown Abbey. Some of the scenes in that show there, you know, the one scene when, um, what's her name? Lady Sybil, she died from preeclampsia. Like that was pretty well, but you know, again, that was in what, the 1900s? I I can't remember. I don't watch that show either. But (laughs) yeah, there are certain, I mean, but like Grey's Anatomy, no. (laughs) You know, like House, no. I mean, they don't really talk about childbirth, but I I think I like Call the Midwife because it's just all about childbirth and pregnancy and labor. You know, it's it's very, so I would think out of all the shows, they would kind of get childbirth right because it's, that's their specialty. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Is and isn't is that like that's a reality show or no? It's not based on Call that. The No. No, oh. that's a um show. What is it on? Again, I don't I've it's on Netflix. I know that because I've what that's where I've watched it, but I think it's on BBC. It's not oh, it's a okay. great it's a really great show. Yeah, no, it's not a reality show. It's uh it's you know, they have scripts and it's and it's actors. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, that's good to know. That's a good yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Now, if we go to like real life, leaning towards the positive end of the spectrum, have you been a part of any particularly memorable births that stand out in your mind? Aside from your own, of course. <laughs> yeah. My own was pretty cool. I just actually took pictures for this. I'll talk about another one too, but I actually just took pictures for one of my friends and her birth was pretty cool just because she's she's one of my best friends and her her husband used to actually live with my husband and I. So we just, we're just really close. So I, um, she had asked me a few months ago during her pregnancy, if I could come and take pictures for her. So it was, that was just cool to be a part of because I wasn't nurse at all. And I wasn't even support person. I was just like picture taker. Um, so I came in with my camera that, you know, I use for my Instagram posts and I just took pictures for her. So that was, that was a pretty cool birth just to be a part of because, I don't know that I've ever been, I mean, I, my family members, I'm the only one that has kids. Um, so I've never been just in a birth without being a nurse, <laughs> if that makes sense. So that was cool just to experience. But the story that I always tell whenever I come on these podcasts, <laughs> I probably told this three or four times now, <laughs> is this lady that I took care of, um, she came into triage and she literally had uh, painless contractions, nothing. I mean, she was eight or nine centimeters when she got there and she only got up to the hospital because her water broke. That was the only reason why uh, she was there. And she just kind of 
described these contractions as uncomfortable, a little uncomfortable, but not painful, like normal (laughs) women like you and I would describe contractions as painful. She literally, and she wasn't like a hypno babies kind of person. Like she wasn't, you know, all in her zone and doing, you know, she was just like, yeah, this is exactly what it was your second baby. Uh, She was like, this is exactly what happened with my first baby. I just, I didn't really know I was in labor. I just came up to the hospital because I my water was broken and I was like eight centimeters and I pushed my baby out. So yeah, literally painless contractions. I think it was just something in her anatomy. Her pain receptors were not firing for that. You know, her pain receptors connected to her uterus were not firing to her brain. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. It literally, the best way I can describe it is it seemed like she had an epidural because she could still kind of feel the pressure of the baby's head and know when her contractions were happening but they were not painful for her. It was a strange thing. And then when she pushed her baby out, she felt that, you know, she felt the pressure of the baby's head and and the ring of fire and that sort of stuff. But her contractions, her labor, yeah, not painful. It was the strangest, weirdest thing that I've ever seen. That is also kind of amazing because- Yeah, I know. I was very jealous. (laughs) No kidding. That's the visual I'm going to keep in my mind for my I know. (laughs) Did she say if like she ever had cramps like when she was on her period or anything? Like is there no, I didn't ask her. I imagine not. Because <laughs> if if she wasn't having contractions, yeah, I I imagine not, but no, I didn't ask her. I'd be like, I have a I'll be back with a list of questions, ma'am. Yeah. You just say what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man. And I think, you know, ultimately everybody wants to walk away with a healthy baby and an overall positive memory of the day that they gave birth. So regardless of, regardless of anyone's intent, you know, whether they want an epidural and all the good stuff, or they want to go completely natural, what's one piece of advice you could give someone to ensure they have a positive experience and happy memory of the day? Yeah. So I think that probably goes back to what I was talking about before with educating yourself. Um, Cause I'm such a firm believer in that. That's what my whole blog and my whole Instagram and you know, everything about me is about is that the power of education, because that can, you know, really make or, or break your experience. I think I see, like I said, I see these women come in and they have not educated themselves about what's going to happen and they just are terrified or, or, you know, something happens out of their control. They feel like it's out of control and it just, you know, they have, or they have these traumatic births and it just, you know, if you have a traumatic birth in whatever way it happens, it can affect you for a long time. You know, it can affect how you go into motherhood. And, you know, for arguably for the rest of your life. So, yeah, my my biggest thing is education. And, you know, obviously there are going to be people who educate themselves and they're still going to have very traumatic births. Um, I'm not saying that that definitely doesn't happen, but you can definitely decrease your odds if you um, if you continue to, you know, educate yourself about the process. Yeah. Education is huge. I actually, I was one of those people who went into pregnancy pretty much terrified. Like I, I was not sure that I was up for this. Like the whole birth process terrified me. And I took your course. I'm like 80% through. And at the same time, I was reading Ina May's guide to childbirth. Yeah. And just having the practical information of what's physically happening to your body that took down my fear from like level nine to like level two. You know, I mean, yeah. it's 
it's amazing just what arming yourself with a little bit of knowledge can do. And yeah. I'm very prone to anxiety over these kind of things and like mm-hmm. hypochondriac. So for mm-hmm. anyone listening who might feel similarly, you can educate yourself without inducing more fear and more anxiety. For sure. It's just for sure. I think it depends what's going to resonate. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, there's a certain point, like people like me who are labor nurses, <laughs> that sometimes we do know too much. Like I felt I felt yes. that way during my pregnancy a bit. Yes. Um, but then I kind of I kind of sat back and I was just like, you know what? It's it's out of my control. I, I do know too much. I know, you know, all scenarios of what's going to happen. But I also know that some things are just going to happen. And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But yeah, I'm a firm, still very much a firm believer in education. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's, it's so important. Yeah. Um, on the note of arming yourself with knowledge, I want to talk about partners because they play a role too, especially yeah. now. I think a lot of partners want to be involved. They want to be present. They want to play a role during the birth. So in your experience in labor and delivery, kind of observing these dynamics and these relationships, yeah. what are a few things that partners absolutely should do and absolutely should not do? Yeah. So I'll just first preface that it is important for your partner to do some education too, because uh, spoiler alert, I did not educate my husband at all. And uh, I regret it. (laughs) He kind of just was like, okay, she knows what she's doing. She's been doing this for a few years and, you know, we're just going to go along with it. And I wish that I had educated him more. He, he was okay with, you know, he helped me with positions and, you know, that sort of stuff. If I, if I asked him to do something, he would do it, but he wasn't, educated on because I wanted he knew that I wanted a natural birth um, but he was not prepared for seeing me go through a natural birth and the emotional impact that it had on him so I wish that I had explained to him a little bit more of what I know so (laughs) it could have alleviated a little bit of anxiety because he just you know he was like a woman that I take care of that comes into labor who doesn't know what's going to happen. He was, he was that person, you know, but it wasn't happening to him. It was happening to somebody that he loves. So he was just confused and scared and, you know, what's happening. Uh, Are you okay? You know, just, it's, you know, it's very hard to see a loved one go through labor if if you're not, you know, if you don't know what you're going into. So first preface, I will first preface and say that educate your partners too, because it can, especially if you want a natural delivery, it can really take a toll on them emotionally. But let's talk about um, some things that they can do. I like to say that keeping a positive kind of feel in the room is very important. Look up, you know, mantras or things that you can say to your partner to kind of, you know, positive affirmations are really important. You can do this. You're doing such a great job. You know, that sort of stuff massages, you know, uh, helping with position changes, that's all good stuff. And that, that, you know, that sort of stuff you can look up as well. There's something called the double hip squeeze that that I like to teach partners do. Um, and this is, you know, for early labor, active labor transition, any sort of thing. If you're having really bad back labor, it's this technique that you can do and you kind of push on both sides of, you probably know it because I talk about it in my course, um, but you kind of push on uh, the sides of mom's hips, and it kind of flares your pelvis out a little bit, and it can help take some pressure off of um, your back if you're having really bad back pain. So I tell partners to do that, and I teach partners to do that because um, that that's actually it is kind of hard for 
you to do that with every single contraction. So I try to take turns like, okay, we'll do it, you know, with one contraction partner does it with the next contraction. Cause it's hard, you know, it takes muscles to kind of do that. Um, a few oh, other yeah. things are, you know, help them focus, look in their eyes, breathe with them as they're going through contractions, do that deep breathing with them. Um, and really, you know, talk about baby, talk about, you know, what you guys are there for. Um, so yeah, those are just a few things. I mean, there, you know, there's so many, so many different things for partners to do. Um, but I will stress the importance of, you know, educating because I did not do that with my husband and I do regret it. And when you say educating, do you mean like through the the physical process or or more just like, Hey, this is going to be hard heads up, (laughs) you know, kind of what would you have done? I think at a minimum, you know, you should be like, Hey, this is going to be hard heads up, but some, you know, some, if you have a male partner, like some guys that my husband's stubborn and <laughs> I think he, I'm not sure if I had asked him to, I think, I think you probably would have like taken a course like mine cause it's quick. Um, but I'm not sure if I had asked him to go to a six week class, he would have, you know, would have been like, nah, I don't really want to do that. That's a bit much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, you know, send him articles, send him, send him stuff or her, you know, if you have a woman partner, same thing, but yeah. you know, it, I think at a minimum, yes, just be like, Hey, heads up. This is the kind of birth that I want. You know, if you want a natural delivery, this is the kind of birth that I want. It's going to be a little, you know, it's going to be difficult to see me go through this. This is kind of what's going to happen. It's how it's going to go. Um, and yeah, if you want to, if, if he or she is up to, you know, doing a lot more of education, you know, it's only going to benefit. So yeah, education. <laughs> yeah, I think I definitely agree. I granted I haven't given birth yet, but I sat down with my husband like a week and a half ago and just had that kind of exact talk where I was like, yeah. all right, so this is what I want. This is how I picture it. And, and just like, played out this scenario and he is super involved and ready Great. for whatever. But, you know, I think just, just so that there were even questions he asked me that I only knew the answers to because of your course and because of the book that I was reading at the time. So cool, it yeah. was like, okay, now we're on the same page. So I do think it's important just to make sure that you both have a good understanding of how you'd like the day to play out. <laughs> right. I think you said it best. Like as long as you guys are both on the same page, you, you'll, you know, you'll probably be okay. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So let's jump into some community questions that I got. Yeah. Okay. These are sort of in no particular order. I just wanted to get them down and make sure I got as many answered as possible. One question that came up a lot, and I think this especially applies to women who want to deliver in a hospital, but maybe go Mm -hmm. more natural. How should women best advocate for themselves during and before the birth? I think this is delicate because you don't want to be like aggressive, but you also want to make sure you're being heard, you know? Right, right. So I think the most important thing to do in regards to advocating for yourself is to first, before you even get up to the hospital and labor, is to talk to your provider first and make sure that you are at a practice that aligns, first of all, aligns correctly with how you want your birth to go and that you feel like you're heard during your prenatal visits. You know, there are practices that, they, you know, they bring you in, you're in and out and they don't really ask into your questions or, you know, if you do ask a question, they're, they're judgmental. Um, so I think it's really important to talk to your provider during your prenatal visits and make sure that you are at a practice that, you know, aligns with, with how you want your birth to go. And that will just kind of naturally uh, help you advocate for yourself because you and your provider are on the same page, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. This is a really vague one, but again, it came up so many times. So maybe if you can give like two or three of your top tips towards achieving a natural birth. And I know your course, the Birth It Up yeah. course is like amazing for that. Uh, yeah. But anything that you can kind of share on yeah, that side sure. of thing. Yeah. yeah, sure. Um, so I'll just share a couple tips from my from my course. So we, you know, we already talked about the the power of education. And let's see, a couple of the ones from my course. I really like uh, the ragdoll. <laughs> that's what, that's a popular one from my course. It's basically if you're trying to go natural, you know, you our our uterus, you know, is a muscle. You, your body is made up of hundreds of muscles, and our natural instinct when we're in pain is to tense our muscles. Right? I mean, if you get a strain or something or something cuts you, you know, you're like, ow, and you tense up. And that's how, you know, you are during labor. You know, many women I see that they're so tense, you know, they're not relaxing. And you actually have to do the opposite uh, during labor. And it will help, will actually help, you know, help you progress because your uterus is a muscle and your pelvic floor is a muscle. And if you can relax that part, it can help baby to move down. Um, so I talk about the ragdoll in my course um, and really thinking about, you know, rag- I say Raggedy Ann in my course. If people know who Raggedy Ann is, that she's a ragdoll. And you really have to think about during these contractions, instead of tensing, tensing your butt and tensing your shoulders and your head and your hands, um, you really have to think about being a ragdoll during these contractions. And that will help baby to move down quicker and easier. So that's a good one. I, you know, try to, you know, relax your muscles as, as much as you can, even though your natural instinct is to tense. So even in between contractions, it's important. It's, you know, I was in labor. I remember how hard it is to, to not tense um, during these contractions, but even, you know, in between focus on relaxing as much as you possibly can. Um, And then let's see, another one is, I mean, gosh, labor to think about it mathematically. So a lot of women are very focused on the fact that, oh gosh, I'm only four centimeters and I've been having contractions all day and, you know, this is still going to be a really, really long time. And I tell people with a contraction, how a contraction works is it's like a hill. Okay. So it starts and it gears up in intensity and then it kind of peaks and then it, you know, starts going down. And the God awful part is usually not the hill part. It's usually the peak. And the contraction, the whole contraction usually lasts about, you know, anywhere from 60 to 60 seconds to two minutes. You know, what really long contraction would last two minutes? Usually only 60 to 90 seconds. Um, so those hill parts are going to be the longest part. That peak is only going to be about 10, 10 to 20 seconds. Okay. So if you think about it, you know, just try and think about mathematically getting through those 10 seconds. You know, anybody can do anything for 10 seconds, right? So if you think that you're having contractions, you know, every three minutes, let's say for an hour, um, that's roughly 20 contractions in an hour. And, you know, if those peaks are lasting 10 to 20 seconds, then that's only, I can do math correctly, that's only 200 to 400 seconds of that hour. And that's about three and a half to six and a half minutes of that whole hour that you're getting through this God awful part of labor. Okay. So if you can think about it like that, that 
okay, an hour seems like a long time. You know, you're like, oh gosh, I have to do another hour of this crap. You know, if you, but if you think about it, it's like, okay, really the God awful part is only three and a half to six and a half minutes. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I like math. So I like to tell people that and sometimes it can kind of ease their anxiety a little bit, but yeah, those are just a couple little tips. Yeah, that's great. No, the the math thing that seriously stuck in my mind because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it's logical. It makes perfect sense, and I'm right. like, okay, yep, that I yeah, got you that. can kind of wrap. You know, a lot of labor is just wrapping your head around it. You know, so if you can, whatever works. You know, if it's the math thing, it's if it's thinking about it logically and wrapping your head around it logically then go for it. Um, and I do, I, you know, I find that people like that, but yeah, that's how it is for me. If I can think about it logically, then it's going to help me more. A hundred percent. Another question that, that some people, uh, or really topic that people talked about was the negative stigma around epidurals. I know yeah. that going natural is not only preferred for a lot of women, but it's also, honestly, I think it's kind of a trendy, uh, top, kind of a trendy Mm -hmm. thing now. So Mm -hmm. that does cast a negative light over all the other stuff. So for women who do want an epidural, what's sort of uh, some advice or words of wisdom you can give them to allay their fears about having an epidural? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's tough because you're right. You know, I wanted a natural delivery. That's that's just my preference and what I wanted. But I take care of some, I mean, at my hospital, probably 60 or 70% of the women get epidurals. And you know, no judgment at all, obviously. Of course. Like I do have a second course that I'm coming out with that is very, very similar to my first one, but it's tailored more towards moms who want epidurals. So I'm talking to you more like you want an epidural and we go a little bit into more detail about epidurals. But yeah, I would just, I would just say, you know, everybody's different. If you don't, if you don't want to feel that natural labor pain, like it's okay. Don't let anybody, you know, it's your birth and it's your choice and it's your experience that you want to go through. And if you want to be epiduralized and really enjoy it, I'm not saying that, you know, natural labor is not enjoyable. Some people, you know, really enjoy it and get a lot of, get a lot out of it. But epidurals really, if you get an epidural, if you get a good working epidural at a good time in your labor, you can just kind of sit there until, you know, you have to push. There are obviously side effects that come along with epidurals and epidurals aren't perfect, but if you get a good working epidural, you can have a very positive, like not really hurting. You can kind of take a nap. It's a very <laughs> relaxed, you know, environment for you and for your partner. It's a whole different ball game for your partner too. Not not experiencing, you know, and supporting somebody who's in natural labor versus getting an epidural. So yeah, I mean, don't. I don't know. I guess that's my best advice: is yeah. don't listen to the haters. <laughs> you know, do what you got to do. It's going to be course. okay. Nobody's going to judge you, and you know, go into it with an open mind too. I mean, if you want a natural birth, don't be completely shut off to epidurals either, because you might find that once you get into labor, um, like this is exactly what happened to my friend. She took my course, and and once she got into labor, she was like, you know what? I'm good. <laughs> no, I'll, get, I'll get an epidural. It, it's fine. And she she had no regrets, you know, like she yeah. it was fine. Her birth experience was great. And she had such an amazing, amazing labor. So yeah, don't listen to the haters. Do what you got to do. That's a good final sentence for that question. <laughs> um, another question. So I've got three more questions for you. Next one sure. should be pretty straightforward. Is there anything you can do to prevent tearing? And yeah. just appreciate it, they say. <laughs> yeah, I know. Tearing, tearing is one of those ones that 
Um, I've had people take my course. And when I talk about fear, they say that's their only fear is the fear that they're going to tear. That is a big fear for, I think a lot of people is the fear of tearing. And there's not, unfortunately, a whole lot you can do to prevent tearing. Um, There are a few things that they found, um, one being a really hot compress on your perineum while you're pushing. Um, And that's not always available, especially if you push really fast. You can't really, it's harder to do that. But I do that a lot of times with my patients. If they're pushing, I'll get, I'll just get a little basin and fill it up with hot, warm water and get some washcloths and just in between pushing, um, just kind of set it on there because it just, you know, just helps with, you know, keeping the area warm and it can help with reducing tearing. Um, another thing is what's it called? Perineal, perineal massage. And that I'd have to give you an article because I, I don't teach it directly in my course. I just link people to an article, but it's a method that you can do to kind of like stretch things out and that may help reduce tearing as well. But unfortunately, your biggest risk for tearing is just being a first time mom, you know, plain and simple. Like, and also a lot of people don't, don't realize that is that being a first time mom, if you tour your first time, you're actually less likely to tear the second or the third time. A lot of people think, oh, I tore so bad, you know, with the first one, am I more likely to tear this time? It's like, no, actually your first time, you're more likely to tear just because it's your first time. Another thing I will say to prevent tearing, and it's weird, but I talk about it in my course too, is um, it's from Ina Mae. She talks about getting sexually aroused during labor. And if you can get sexually aroused during labor, you're less likely to tear. Because think about when you have sex, you, you know, there's usually a penis inside you and it doesn't usually hurt, right? (laughs) So your vagina just kind of naturally expands (laughs) and a similar type thing has been shown to kind of happen if you can get sexually aroused. Now, you know, I'm not saying probably 99% of women don't get sexually aroused during labor, but that is one thing that, you know, she said that I've never seen a woman, you know, have an orgasmic birth and tear. It just doesn't happen. So that's another one. Let me see. What else can I talk about tearing? I, I think a lot of women are afraid of the actual degrees of tearing too, um, because they're I have an article that I wrote about tearing and how how deep the tears are, and they score them from like a one to a four. And the three and four are like it's like ninety two or ninety three percent of people will only will only tear the first or second level, and then the third and fourth you know are are more rare. And a second, you know, I had a second degree tear. It was, it was painful. You know, I'm not going to say it wasn't painful, but it was painful. It was most people tear, not all people tear, but most people tear in their perineum. And that's just kind of the area in between your anus and your vagina. So that kind of lower kind of area. And it's very, you know, you usually get get stitched up right after delivery, you know, it's no big deal that if you don't have an epidural, they'll give you a little bit of lidocaine and that, you know, that is a shot that they, that they give you, but it's, it numbs everything up. And when you're, when they're actually stitching you, you don't, you know, you don't feel it or you might feel kind of pulling, but not, 
but it's not, you know, you're feeling the stitch every single time. Um, if you have an epidural, you're already numb down there. So they usually don't need to numb you up with anything else if they're going to stitch you. Sometimes they do. But yeah, it's a pretty, usually if you only tear, you know, the first or the second degree, it's usually a pretty simple process that, that goes on after delivery. If there's a third or fourth degree, it might take a little bit longer. Or if even if there's a fourth degree, sometimes you do have to go the, to the OR and they have to kind of stitch you up in there. So you're more likely to lose blood. But most people, 92, I think it's either 92 or 93%, might even be 94% of people tear through that first or second degree. But yeah, tearing, I get it. I mean, it's your vagina, you know, like you think about tearing your vagina, like that's really scary. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the main fear is like, okay, you could sort of get over the, the imagery of that happening in the moment. It's more the, oh dear God, does it ever how do you, it's how never do you ever go? Go? right, right, exactly. Yeah. And it does. I mean, it, it does, you know, it, it might take a while. Like some people, some people it's, you know, your, your six week appointment and everything's good and they clear you for sex and you have sex and it's no big deal. I would caution women that it can take longer than six weeks. A lot of people aren't prepared for that, that maybe it's not your tear that's still healing, but just sex in general and, and wanting to have sex, it might take longer than six weeks. So yeah, it's, I know tearing is just nobody. I mean, nobody likes to tear. Of course. Yeah. You just gotta <laughs> cross your fingers, hope for the yeah. best. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's all you can do. Um, another question was in your opinion, this is more of an opinion question, but do you think that there's an overuse of Pitocin or an over-intervention type of approach in hospitals, or has that not been your experience? Yeah, that's a tough one because I mean, I I do to a certain extent. The hospital that I work with is is really good, um, and we try to only do interventions, you know, when needed. But I think as a whole in the United States, especially, we are kind of over too much pitocin, too much artificially breaking your water, too many vacuums, too many, you know, unneeded vacuums, too many unneeded episiotomies, like that sort of stuff. But like I said, the hospital that I work with, work at is pretty good. Um, it is the one group that I work with is, is good. The other group, it is a teaching hospital. So sometimes they do do things like they overdo things just for teaching purposes. And I think that's mm-hmm. something that people don't realize too, if, especially if you go to a teaching teaching hospital. Like maybe that's why it is over. Like we're we're on overhaul and interventions. Is if you go to a teaching hospital, they're just trying to get opportunities to teach, you know. But yeah, I, I think in a whole, yeah. as a whole, that yes, we in the United States, especially yes, it's it's a little bit too much. Yeah, I guess that comes back to also knowing how to advocate for yourself too and not right. being afraid to speak up in a, you know, at the appropriate right. time. And exactly. I mean, advocating a lot of people, I mean, gosh, like so many women that I take care of, especially at my hospital, they don't even realize it's a teaching hospital and residents are taking care of them. I mean, you have the right to say, hey, um, you know, I don't want a student or I don't want a resident. Like, you don't have to be subject to. You know, it. a lot of people don't realize that they have the rights that they have, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I could definitely see that. Yeah. Okay, last question. We'll end on yeah. this note. This would be just maybe a couple or like two or three, whatever you think, whatever you can think of, best tips for mom after birth. And I think this this could be a perspective thing or concrete things to have on hand. However you want to interpret, quote, best tips is <laughs> totally cool with me. 
Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Postpartum is, I, I just posted about this the other day on my Instagram. I put something, I, I think it said, nobody told me uh, how hard postpartum actually was. That was my little quote. Um, and that's so true. I mean, I feel like you get prepared for uh, birth. And then when it comes to postpartum, you know, you're just not blown away or you're just blown away with how difficult it is to now take care of this little baby and to heal yourself and to take care of yourself. So yeah, it can be really hard. Let's see my best tips. I would say if you're breastfeeding, take a breastfeeding course or do or read a breastfeeding book or do breastfeeding education because I think a lot of times people do education for labor, but they don't do education during pregnancy for breastfeeding. They kind of rely on you know, the at the hospital, or if you deliver to birth center, you just kind of rely on your friends or family or something to learn how to breastfeed, and they're not really doing the education up front. And I, for one, experienced that because you know I was a labor and delivery nurse before I gave birth to my son, and I just kind of relied on my own knowledge from helping people breastfeed in that in those first two hours. I was like, I'm not, I don't need to do breastfeeding education. I know en- enough, but. It's a whole different ballgame when you breastfeed for months and weeks and, you know, you're actually doing it yourself. So I would I would say that's definitely my first tip is that if you're breastfeeding, you know, do some education on, on the front end. Don't rely on when you're sleep deprived in the hospital learning from lactation consultants because, you know, you're only going to get 10% probably of that <laughs> because you're so just sleep deprived and you got a lot of other stuff going on. Yeah. So yeah, breastfeeding education, if you're breastfeeding, let's see another one, I guess just an item to have on hand if they don't give it to you in the hospital. And if you have a vaginal birth and you tear, it's called dermaplast and it's, it looks really scary. It comes in like a hairspray like can, and it's just like a numbing spray that you can have going along with, we were talking about tearing that you can have, uh, just keep it in your bathroom. Keep that with a thing of tux pads. And every, you know, every time you go to the bathroom, just kind of spray that stuff up there. That that stuff is magical. So definitely Dermaplast is really, really good to have on hand. A lot of the hospitals do give it out, but some of them don't. And you can just get it on Amazon. But it's very safe. It's, you know, easy to apply. Lasts for a really long time. I think I still have my bottle from two years ago. <laughs> um, so Dermaplast is good. Let me think of another one. Oh, how about if you have a C-section? This is a tip I heard. I didn't have a C-section, but this is a tip I heard from somebody who did have a C-section was uh, to get ice packs that are like horizontal for your C-section scar because that is really, that your scar can give you a lot of pain. So if you can have little horizontal ice packs and a lot of people actually will do, uh, she said she did like, she made like a padsicle if you've seen those, people make those for vaginal deliveries, but she took a patsicle and she would wear her postpartum underwear that comes, you know, really high up to her belly button. And she would, the pad on the back is sticky and she would just stick that on her underwear and just put it right, you know, it was nice and cold and she would just put it right on her C-section scar. So that's a really good tip. I like to tell my C-section moms that some sort of ice pack, or you can do those patsicles because it just, you know, sticks to your underwear. Yeah, that's brilliant, actually. Yeah, well, I know, right? She said she told me that, and I was like, "Wow, that's great!" Because <laughs> yeah, it's also nothing special. You just go to the 
grocery store up the road and get right. what you need. So right, exactly. that. Um, yeah. cool. Well, this was really, really informative. Is there anything that you feel like we didn't get to cover or anything last minute things you want people to know before we sign off officially? Yeah, no, I mean, I think we, we pretty much covered everything. I, I stressed my importance of education and that's <laughs> what I always try to do in these podcasts. So yeah, no, I, I think this is, you know, this is great. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. I think this will be really helpful for a lot of people. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's me again. (laughs) How interesting was that? I mean, even before I got pregnant, before I was even sold on the idea of having kids, I was always so interested with the whole process of birth and pregnancy. It's kind of magical to me, and maybe magical is the wrong word, because I find the science of pregnancy and birth so super, super, super interesting. And actually, throughout my entire pregnancy, The things that I've been just eating up have been these little fun facts about, you know, what the baby is doing at different developmental stages and the process of birth and how our bodies prepare and the changes that our bodies go through during pregnancy. I mean, I just seriously find the whole thing endlessly fascinating, honestly. So today, my biggest takeaways were, and as usual, I'd love to hear from you, but some of my biggest takeaways were essentially that if we can eliminate or severely reduce the fear around birth and pregnancy, we're gonna have a much better experience. So even if things don't go exactly according to your plan or to your vision, if you can forget the fear, if you can let yourself be guided by your own instinct, your own intuition, and you can trust in the medical providers that you've chosen, you can come out having a positive experience, whether it was exactly the way you envisioned or totally not the way you envisioned. And so that was kind of my personal biggest takeaway. But I would also love to hear yours, Um, again, from any perspective, like whether you're currently expecting, you want to someday, or you never want kids, there was anything that really stuck out to you so find me on bad yogi official on instagram or at badyogi.com as well as lisel she is at mommy.laborednurse on ig so you can actually snag 10 percent off her course which makes it only about 40 dollars when you use the code all caps one word bad yogi So all you have to do is go to mommylabornurse.com and use the code BADYOGI for 10% off her course. And this is geared towards women who wanna have a natural birth in a hospital, but she did also just come out with a course that's more in line with prepping women who wanna have an epidural. So either way, like no shame, obviously, in any case, you do what you wanna do, but uh, you can use the code off either. So if you liked this episode or have gotten anything useful out of any of my episodes, please take a moment to rate this podcast in the app store. It goes such a long way for us and seriously only takes a minute. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll see you right back here next time.